I'm Sienna. Oh no, I missed it. Okay, go ahead. Hey, I'm Sienna. And I'm Madison. And you're listening. <laughs> hey, I'm Sienna. And I'm Madison. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Hi, I'm Sienna. And I'm Madison. And you're listening to the Just a Person podcast. Hi everybody, welcome to Just a Person Podcast, a show that explores life's highs, lows, and in-betweens. I'm Madison, and you're listening to part two of Sarah's story. Here's a quick recap of where we're at. Thanks for listening and enjoy. I was like, I need to go to the doctor. My symptoms that brought me there were like, I was starting to see like double vision and I was getting terrible, terrible headaches because of it. And I was like, at this point I go, oh my God, I have a brain tumor. And so like right away, he ordered um, an MRI. He's like, we need to see what's going on. Um, So I got the MRI and he wanted me to come into the office. And I was like, oh gosh, this is where he's going to tell me I have a brain tumor. Like I'm I'm down now, like this is the end, like freaking (laughs) out. So I made my sister-in-law go with me because obviously my sister's already there. And he, you know, brought me in the room and he goes, okay, we did find some stuff on the MRI. And at that point you're like, okay, yep. Just tell me, just tell me what I have to do. Like, this is it for me. And he goes, we are fairly certain that you have multiple sclerosis. And I was like, what? That hadn't even crossed my mind. Not like in the deepest, like I didn't know much about it. Nothing like that. I was like, um, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. And he's like, all right, we're going to get you into a neurologist that, you know, specializes in MS and, and all this different kind of stuff. So he's telling me all this. And, and at that point, like my head's like blank, like, I'm like, what, what just happened? Like what, what is going on? And, uh, so as I was driving home, my sister-in-law is looking up on her phone, MS and all this different, and she's bawling. She's crying. And I was like, you need to stop. I said, I got to process this. I said, do not look at the internet. It's going to tell you like the worst case of everything. I was like, don't do that. And she was like, I know, I know, but it's so hard. So I went up, my mom works at a school and I went up to her And she's like, oh, how'd the doctor go? Like all different stuff. And then that's when I just like broke down. And I'm like, he says I have MS. I don't know what to do. And of course that upset her. And then she's like, I have to finish. Yeah. She goes, I have to finish work. And she's like, go to your grandma's. Grandma will (laughs) comfort you. And like, so we (laughs) went to grandma's and we waited for my mom to get out of work. Cause I was crying. Cause I was like, I don't know anything about this. Like, I don't know anything about this disease. And like, I had just went to school. Like I was looking for jobs at that point. I was like, how, what am I supposed to do now? And um, before I even went to the neurologist, they had called and said, you know, we got to get some tests before you come in here. Um, one was a spinal tap. So I, they had to get my spinal fluid, um, which of course went wrong. I ended up not, the hole in my spine ended up not closing. So I had a severe headache for like a week. It was terrible before they're like, okay, we got to take, we got to bring you in for a blood patch. So they take your own blood and then put it back into your spine and it makes like a covering over the hole. Yeah. Cause doesn't it, won't it like mess up like your brain equilibrium if you have like your spinal fluid leaking? Yeah. Oh yeah. So they did that and I felt so much better after that. And then, um, I went to the neurologist with my mom (laughs) 
And he's like, yep, this is what you have. We're going to do some more blood work. We're going to get you on a, on a regimen. Like he's probably one of the greatest guys I have ever met. My doctor is. And, um, he goes, you know, 20 years ago, I would have said, you know, this is what you have. You have MS. Um, good luck. Like there wasn't anything out there for it. Um, thankfully there is now, and there's like, we can, Right now I give myself injections to slow the progression of them. Do you want to explain what that, what MS is really quick? Yes. Um, MS is when you get like, it's the demyelination of your axons in the brain. So they call them lesions. So they mostly come on either one side of your brain versus the other. So I have a majority of my lesions on the left side of my brain and it controls the right side of my body. That's when I get my numbness and my tingling in my leg or in my hand sometimes, but mostly in my leg. Um, And then I have a couple, just a couple on my right side that controls like the difference that my eye is, my left eye, because I'll get double vision, blurry vision. And then my prescription changes in my left eye about every six months. So it either goes back and moves forward it gets better. It gets worse. It, that's just one of the, unfortunately, one of the, the signs of it and the symptoms. So what they do is they, they put you on different types of medication that slow the progression of more lesions. So no matter what you're going to get more, it's kind of just, it is what it is, but they, what they're trying to do is slow it down. They want to, you know, keep you normal as much as possible. So every, about every nine months to a year, I have an MRI to see if I have any newer active lesions um, on my brain or on my spinal cord that will, you know, make the doctor change my prescription or the treatment protocol. Like he's very on it about which way, you know, I'm supposed to go. Fortunately for me in the seven years I've had it, seven or eight years that I've had it, I haven't had new ones. I've had like on a scan, they light up a little bit. So there it's almost like you're in like a flare. So then I will, you know, they give me a course of steroids to kind of, kind of calm my body down so that I can keep going forward technically. Jeez. <laughs> um, so so uh, I think something that, well, there were a few things when we were talking about this that you want to talk about. So Number one, um, I think something pretty common, anyone with like a, like a chronic lifelong illness, I think that affects your life so much. It's hard for people to understand like how to now have a social life, how to work, how to, how like, is anyone going to want to like, no offense, but how is someone (laughs) going to want to marry you? (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, so yeah. How do you like, how did you deal with that? Because you are married now and you have two kids and a job. So how do we get there? Um, so after my diagnosis from my neurologist, I kind of went into like a two week depression. I, I still hadn't found a job in my career path. And at this point I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to find a job? Nobody's going to want to hire me. Um, I'm going to have to take time off. I'm going to have to, you know, do all these things because of the MS versus, you know, just being able to go out like a regular 23 year old and be like, Hey, I can do this. And in my field as an athletic trainer, I really wanted to work at a high school. 
But with that came a lot of um, climate changes. And for people with MS, if you get really hot, it brings on a lot of symptoms. So we like controlled environments. We like to be halfway decently cool, not too cold, but like a cool state. And I was like, there's no way with, you know, like temperature variation with sports and being outside and all this different stuff. I was like, there's no way that anybody's going to want to hire me. So I changed my mindset to, okay, I'm just going to find any job that I can. I'm just going to start applying for jobs. I was like, I'm just out of college. I need a job. At the time, my boyfriend was not supportive at all about me. And he's like, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know that I want to handle this. And so that was really hard for me was like, okay, if he doesn't, then how is somebody else going to want to? I finally, um, it was probably about a, probably six months, seven months after I was diagnosed, I got a call from a uh, athletic trainer that I've known for a really long time. And he was like, Hey, we have a job opening. I really want you to come and apply for it. And I, I mean, I was hesitant, but I was very open with him about it. And I was like, Hey, this is what's going on. He's like, Nope, we still want you to be able to work, do all that kind of stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay, sweet. <laughs> like, cool. So I did, I got a job at a high school and I was like, this is great. Like, this is perfect. But then the relationship I was in ended. So that was really hard. So I put my, you know, everything I had into work. And for that time, for about, I would say two to three years, other than my family, I didn't want anybody to know because I didn't want to be treated differently. I didn't want people to see me differently. They, I didn't want them to see me as weak because I really like just looking at me or talking to me, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know that this was underlying. So for a long time, I was like, nope, I don't want anybody to know. And then finally, I was like, you know, this is who I am. It's always going to be with me. And then I finally started opening up to people about, yeah, okay, I do have this, but I'm doing fine. Like I'm stable, all that kind of stuff. So I was, I was really okay with it. So I did start going into the dating world again. And I, a lot, I went on quite a few different dates and I would tell them and be like, listen, this is who I am. I don't know when I'll progress or how bad it will be but it's going to happen. And I said, I need somebody who will support me through it. And all of them were like, "Uh, nope, didn't call me back. Didn't call me back. (laughs) I was like, all right, cool. So I just thought, okay, maybe nobody really is going to be supportive of this at all. And I kept on telling my parents, I said, you know what, maybe you'll be the ones that take care of me for the rest of my life. Cause they would willingly full force. My family would do it in an instant. And they have I mean, because Mm -hmm. Madison knows because she picks on me about it is (laughs) I'll get like, I'll go, oh, my leg's going to go numb. We call it in the MS world. We call it dead leg. Like you just, it just goes completely numb. You can't feel it. And it's that way until you get on something. So for me, I do three to five days of IV infusions because that's the only thing that settles it down. So every four to six months is when I'll have like a little bit of an exacerbation where I need to go in and have steroids. And that kind of keeps my symptoms at bay. So that kind of, it keeps me functioning, but like back to men, (laughs) boys, um, for a while, I just gave up and was like, I just want to, I just want to focus on my work and, you know, family and having fun and my friends. 
And then my best friend was like, Hey, just go on, like, go on like Tinder and just see. And I was like, no, I don't want to go on Tinder. Where are you meeting people mm-hmm. before that though? We live, I'm just to preface, we live in a really small place. Like Sarah knows everybody yes, here. That's true. What, where were you looking before that? Well, I, some people I had knew I like from work, people are like, Oh, I'm going to set you up. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, you got to meet this person. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And then I, I did go on like these weird dating sites where I went on dates with them. And then I was like, okay, this isn't for me. And that's kind of when I stopped. And then so when my friends like try Tinder, like I didn't like a lot of people on there. So one I saw was from our town. And I was like, what? I was like, I've never seen this person before. Super cute. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, okay, I'll like this one. And he had liked me back or swiped on me. It was a match. So yeah, it was a match. So he messaged me and was like, Hey, like we talked for a little bit. We went to a, like a hockey game and dinner, a hockey game. And just, I maybe just hanging out and we like just talked. And my mom, before I went on that date, my mom's like, do not tell him you have MS. (laughs) Like just let just go for it. And I was like, you have to stop talking about this. I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I'll just not say anything for the first, you know, little bit just to see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And if it goes past this, the first date, then maybe I'll, you know, like slip it in whatever. And it, and it did, we talked for hours and then we saw every day after that, because it was during Christmas time. So I was on Christmas break with the, with the high school I was at every day we hung out. And so finally I was like, okay, I'm going to tell you something. And I don't like, if it's a big deal to you, that's fine. Like Mm -hmm. I, I understand. And so I told him and he was like, okay, what do I have to do? And I was like, wait, what did you Mm -hmm. say that again? I don't understand what you're saying. And, uh, he goes, no, like I, okay. You might, or you, uh, we don't know what the progression is going to look like, but it could be when, you know, I'm 60 years old and have to walk with a cane or like something like that, where I'm trying to keep everything at bay till that point. So he was like completely fine with it. And I was like, wow, like this is a big deal. That's a, that's big points for him because it was, that was one of the biggest things like dating was being like, Hey, uh, you're going to have to take care of me when I'm old. Like, like that type of stuff. Like you don't know. I mean, he sat with me during steroid infusions, like all that kind of stuff that I knew that he was, he was serious about it. So it just happens that he is my husband. So like, that was great. But like during it, he knew we're really like, he's a very outdoors guy. He loves to fish and camp and do all that kind of stuff. And I, I enjoy camping, but I, had to tell him I was like you know during the summer if it's too hot I can't like it the heat's gonna get to me and so we we altered a lot of our plans because of me but he never like held that against me he's like okay like this is what we need to do this is what we're gonna have to do and so like the social aspect of it is tough because if I'm having a bad day or like I wake up and I I just hurt I'm like, I can't do much today. Like I can't, like if we have plans, I feel bad canceling, but that's just kind of how it is. So you, you really take your life and you kind of turn it upside down and start all over in order to accommodate how you feel and to not make yourself feel worse. But as after we got married, obviously I've always wanted kids, but there was the, you know, like the stigma of after you have kids, you know, you're probably going to relapse. And you're going to feel 
really crappy. And I go, okay, well, I don't want to do that and have, have a, uh, newborn, but we were able to, we decided that we were going to adopt. We were struggling with infertility anyways. Um, so we're just, we said, you know what, this is, this is the way that we are going. This is how, you know, must be God's plan for us. So we, we did all the adoption stuff. We were on a waiting list for about a year and we got a call, you know, that day that there was a baby being born and they wanted, you know, like us to have him. And so then we went and we got this little boy from the hospital and brought him home. And then, uh, another little kick, we were about four days. So like sleep deprived everything from having a newborn. Um, and I find out I'm pregnant. Oh, wow. So (laughs) two babies now. So we had, I mean, obviously not been actively trying, but we were like, okay, we'll, we'll take what the, you know, like the doctors have said, because we were, we were at a point where we didn't know if we were going to ever get chosen in the adoption process. So at that point, we, we were trying to look at different options of how to have a baby and maybe we would, you know, like pull our file. We didn't know what we were going to do. And then we get this call for this little boy, this baby. And then four days later, we find out we're pregnant and we're like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, this is crazy. And then it, it goes back to, okay, during pregnancy, the medication that I'm taking for my MS is not safe. So you, you get off of that right away and you're not on it, but also during pregnancy for people with MS, you feel your greatest. I felt amazing during pregnancy. I've never felt so good. And people are like, you're crazy. Like it was so hard, like throwing up all this different kinds of stuff. I said, no, I, my body literally felt amazing. And it's because you're making so much extra blood to go through that child and so much different nutrients for them that it's helping your brain. So they're like, my doctor was like, yeah, you probably feel great. And you just keep on, you know, if you could, you have like 12 more kids and you'd feel great for those those times. But after I had my baby about six weeks after I had a, a big relapse and I felt awful. I did a five day course of steroids and just was like, I couldn't, I couldn't function. Yeah. Like, and then that's where it's like, okay, someone has to help me. Like people have to help me at that point because I'm so exhausted. Like I can't like not only being a new mom, but also having this disease that is like, literally feels like you're dying at that point in time. But then it, it, you know, the symptoms start to decrease and you, and you feel better again. And that's, those are the times you have to, you kind of have to look for because like, people are like, well, how would, like, how do you feel on an average day? And I said, okay, so you get up out of bed and just imagine that you're sick or you're, you know, you start to feel, you know, that first part of, you know, body aches for a cold or something like that. Like those are my good days. Okay. So like, so like you wait, like I always say someone who doesn't have a bad day is my good days. Mm-hmm. So if in comparison, you know, like that's how we would, that's how we would kind of rank it. Like I wake up and something always hurts, but knowing that like, that's never going to go away. You just kind of deal with it. And you're kind of like, okay, you know, like what's going to hurt in the morning or what, yeah. you know, like it, 
And you have to, you almost have to laugh it off. Like you have mm-hmm. to, if you don't, you would really honestly go into a depression. Well, yeah. I say that all the time. If I don't laugh, I will cry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. And there's some days that I do, I let it get the best of me. And I'm like, this is, you know, why, oh, why me? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm not that kind of person. I say, okay, I have a challenge in front of me and I'm going to mm-hmm. take it head on, you know, and And I think just seeing that I am married and I have two kids and I have a job that I go to every day, I think is kind of proof that I'm not just going to ball up in my bed and let it just get you down Mm -hmm. because I, I, I could like, there is, there's no reason for me not to, other than I have an awesome support system and being able to be a mom and be a wife is something that I've wanted forever. So it really is, um, like I said, I have the hard days that are really hard, but you know, the good days outweigh those. So you kind of have to look at, okay, well that was a really good day. And I'm, you know, hopeful that I'll get another good day soon. So, I mean, if that's, I've, I have seen or talked to other people with MS and they're like, I don't know why you do that. You can just sit home and, and whatever. I was like, yeah, I could. But what kind of life is that? Like, yeah. I'm still young. <laughs> like, even though I don't sometimes feel like it, I am still young and I want to do stuff. And it's not uh, helpful to wallow in my own self-pity, mm-hmm. I guess is a good way to put it. So I want to get to your last surgery. Okay. Cause you're, you had your baby almost a year ago. Yes. Well, by the time this comes out, it'll been a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but can I explain your last surgery? Absolutely. Because Okay. I make fun of Sarah all the time. And once again, because if you just sit in it, it's like, it's too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have to make fun of her. We all make fun. Of, we all have so many problems. Like we have to make fun of each other or it's like, you just explode. Or else it's too serious. It's too heavy. It's, you know. Yeah. It's just too much. Especially because it's just like something is always wrong with somebody all the time, but (laughs) that's beside the point. So Sarah's last surgery, she had a baby. And if you recall, she had that big surgery when she was 10. So she has like a huge scar on her, not huge. It's pretty huge. But it's pretty big. (laughs) It's right down the middle of her stomach. So she had her baby. She finds out it stretched the scar too much. And her guts were going to fall out of her stomach if she didn't get it wrong. Like her guts were literally going to fall out. (laughs) Were they just going to like peek out and like just squirm their way? Well, (laughs) like I, after I had the baby, I, I've had multiple hernias, so it wasn't a big deal. So I went in because I had this hernia and then, um, my doctor goes, well, as he's like feeling up my scar, he goes, you don't have a lot of connective tissue left underneath the scar. Like this needs to be taken care of. Cause I was like, Oh, just, just a simple hernia surgery, which I mean, there really never is a simple hernia surgery, but I went, I went in for that. And then they put like this huge mesh underneath to kind of reinforce. So my intestines didn't (laughs) come out of where they're supposed to be. Um, so she didn't wake up one day and her stomach was yeah, just laying was just next laying to her. <laughs> no, I mean, my skin wasn't open, so that was good. Um, so, so I wake up and I have like a probably six to eight inch continuation of my big scar. And it's like, I have two drains 
coming out each side that drain into like this little plastic like bulb type thing. And um, I was like, wow, this isn't what I expected <laughs> to be in the hospital for uh, like three days again. Once again, her heart would not slow down. Yes. <laughs> they struggled with my heart. Wait, so this is, when was this? This is like a few months ago. This was in March. Yeah. yeah. And so you had, you still have the heart. Well, it, it re, so something happened during surgery where they couldn't slow my heart down. Um. So like. I was on oxygen and everything after surgery. From there, they're like, we really want you to follow up with a cardiologist. And I was like, well, you know, it's not, it was only like one, 110, 120. I was like, That's hey, nothing. I've lived, <laughs> yeah, I've lived with worse than that. It's not a big deal. Like if it's nothing's really like wrong with my heart, I don't want to go into it right now because I'm, you know, healing from this surgery. Mm-hmm. So the continuation of that is I do have another appointment with a heart doctor, but for right now I feel okay. And then to take your drains out, they literally just pull them out of your body, like in the doctor's office. So are there little holes? So the skin is growing around it and they just pull them right out. I had one for one week and the other one for two weeks and they just like pull it out. Just like, oh God. And I, I is it gonna is it gonna close back up? Yes. Or do they? Yeah. Okay. Just the holes, holes in her stomach. Yeah. The holes like, close oh, up. They have God. closed okay. up. <laughs> but like this tubing is like two feet long. I was like, how was that inside of me? Like, where was that at? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> but it was. It was. And he just pulls it out, and he's like, all right. Because you feel it, like. Oh yeah. Coming. Oh yeah. Oh, it's not. It doesn't God. hurt. It just gives this weird. It's sensation. just weird. Yeah. yeah. It's really weird. But yeah, so that was my last, uh, the to be continued, I guess, saga of my life. And it will never end. It won't because it will always, you know, (laughs) my MS, Mm -hmm. you know, was a good, I really think that I had that when I was in high school. So what Um, do you still have all of it or like, I still have all of it. They, They still consider all of it. Like, but you don't have pots, right? That was just a. No, I don't, I don't consider myself that having that it was kind of just something to, I almost feel like to diagnose me with. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. my biggest one obviously is my MS and that's the one that is, um, monitored really close. And I, like I said, I go every about nine months to see my neurologist for him to check up and do blood work and make sure everything is, is on point. And then, um, he, he changes my treatment, uh, depending on that. There's so many things that are, are questions with it. Like, how does it start? Where does it come from? Um, have you ever heard the thing that, um, people think uh, like autoimmune diseases, you have them like the genes for them or whatever, but they don't present until something like traumatic happens to you, like to your body. Have you heard that? Yes. Do you that, think- that is one of the, um, like theories is that, you know, you, some people just have that, that gene or that, you know, in their predisposition to have something. And then for MS, they say sometimes that it's a virus that a virus gets in and just starts. And since your immune system is already weak, it attacks your brain. Technically that's how it, you know, that's how those lesions start, but that's never really been proven. So people are like, well, 
how does this start? You don't really know. It could be a virus. They've almost ruled out like genetics. So like, okay, I have it. Is my daughter going to get it now because I had her? Is it something that I can, you know, pass on? Or did I get it from somebody else who doesn't know that they had it? Um, kind of that genetic makeup, but they're like, ah, you know, they really don't believe that that, that that's the cause of it. Mm-hmm. It's still in, in research and, you know, like we do our part to try and like raise money for the national MS society and just trying to, you know, obviously probably not in my lifetime, will there be a cure, but I'm hopeful that there will be one soon mm-hmm. and that people will get relief. Cause some people have a, you know, eventually I'm going to get into a different type. So I have relapse and remitting right now, um, which is like the basic type. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then there's like progressive and secondary. Eventually I will get to progressive or secondary and, and which it won't let me bounce back from my symptoms. So when my leg goes numb, it's, that's how it's going to be forever. Like, it's just a mindset of, okay, how are you going to deal with it? Like, are you going to sit back and just let it happen to you? Or are you going to fight through it? And Mm -hmm. I understand why people sit back because the medications are extremely expensive. The, a lot of insurances don't pay for them. So I'm actually struggling with that right now is they wouldn't, you know, the, thankfully the makers of my medicine sent me like a, they call it an interim dose so that I have some, so I don't ever have to go without, but I mean, I called to renew my prescription and refill it. And they, it was going to be $10,000. Oh my God. For just my month supply. And that's not covered by. No, nope. But that's a big reason why people don't get treatment is because they can't afford it. I mean, yeah, for some people, it's literally like they literally cut, could not buy it. Like, it's like, you just have to go into debt. Like, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's just, that's just a month. Mm-hmm. That was just a month supply. So that's four injections for me. That's insane. But thankfully the, the makers of a lot of these MS medications, they are helpful. They do like, I don't know, like copay assistance programs and different assistance programs. Cause they want you to have the medicine, like obviously, mm-hmm. cause it's, it's either life or death. Like you have to have this medicine to make you feel good. And they help thankfully with that. And so then when my insurance kicks in again from switching jobs, hopefully they'll pay for a little portion and then the, the company will actually pick up the rest, thankfully. But, um, like my husband says every month, he just prays that that package comes in the mail. Cause then he knows I'm good for another month. Like it's, it's tough. It's tough thinking, okay, you know, could this be my last month of being able to do it? Cause we can't afford it. And that it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that people have to weigh their health conditions on Mm -hmm. money, especially for something. It's not like you're having a cosmetic procedure or something that like you don't have to do. Like it's not really optional. Like you need this medication. So like nobody should have to like be worried about how can they afford it? Are they going to receive it? Just all of that. Like yeah, it's definitely scary going going forward, just knowing that it's it's always an option that I'm I might not be able to get it. But also my my doctor's very good at like, okay, if you can't get it, we're gonna do this. Or like there's always a second option in his head 
which I'm very thankful for because I can't go months without my medication. I will decline rapidly. And that's, that's what the scary part is. Um, but we just try not to think about that and go, okay, every, every month is good because you know, we got our medicine this month or we got, we got the box. Yep. Yep. Like, yeah, it's like, that. <laughs> we got the goods. We got the goods it's mm-hmm, in the, mm-hmm. on the porch. And <laughs> so it's really, yeah, it is. It's crazy how, how your life changes like that. Oh gosh. It's just, I feel like that was just so much. Like that's probably one of the most like crazy stories. Just like Actually, Sarah was probably the biggest reason that I wanted to even do this in the first place because we've been talking for a long time about making like a documentary Mm -hmm. or um, she wants to write a book. So just like making something for her to like say her story because it's so much and I've never met someone that's gone through so many things all the time that are so you take one thing and I don't, I don't know how to say this, but like I say a lot that anyone can be on here because everyone has at least one big thing that's like changed their life and they can talk about it. But for Sarah, that's like every other year she has like <laughs> something that someone would consider like huge monumental. Yeah. Like life changing. Yes. But it's all the time. But for her, it's just life. Yeah. It is. Right. Yeah. I don't, it's it's just another day. Like it's another day in my, in my life. And I did, I said, and it's not like, it's not to just be like, Oh, this is what happened to me. Like, I don't want any sympathy or anything. I want people to be able to learn. Like I want people to know that these, the stuff is out there and you Mm -hmm. might not see it on someone, but they're going through it. Like, that's why I'm so like, I work with patients now and I'm just so trying to be really nice and courteous. Cause you don't know what they're going through. Like that's, that's the hardest part is like, Oh, you're fine. You look fine. You look fine. Yeah, it's not a disease you can see. Yeah. It's and my thing. I was really on like a high horse about it. Like I was like, I need to write something, whether it's just like the second half of my life. Cause that's when all of this came into play is that people, like when I was diagnosed with MS, I had no idea what it was. I didn't know how it was going to affect my life. Like I had to learn all that Mm -hmm. along the way. And I want, I also want people who have been recently diagnosed to know that they can have a life. Like they don't have to stop their life because of this diagnosis. Like that was my biggest thing because for a while Mm -hmm. I did. Like I said, afterwards, I was like, I'm just going to lay in my bed. My mom and dad will take care of me like all this different kind of stuff. Cause I was like, this is it I'm done. But then like, I'm a very, like our family in general is, um, very faithful family. We go to church. We believe, um, like we just have a lot of faith in God that he is the one that, you know, is bringing us to all these things. And so I just, you know, people are like, you could be so mad at God right now. And I said, I could, or he's just trying to say, Hey, let's try to get over this. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm giving this to you because I know that you will make it real and you'll, you'll make it known (laughs) and help other people. Like I've told Madison before, when we've wanted to do, like I said, the podcast and how I wanted to be on here or like the book or documentary or something. I said, if I can just get to one person Mm -hmm. and help them make their life a little bit better, that's all that, that would be amazing. 
Like mm-hmm. that, that's my goal in life, I guess. And that's why I like my job is because I get to help people and I get to help people feel better for someone who is diagnosed at a young age with this. I don't want them to give up on their life. Like they have so much to live for and they have, they can, you know, meet someone like my husband and they can have kids and you, you have all these bumps and (laughs) really big hills to get over, but you get over them and the next day it's a good day. So that's, I mean, it's all how you look at it. It's how you look at it, how you approach it. And I think that's a big reason why, you know, like our family is so close, um, as we're all very mm-hmm. supportive of each other. And if I didn't have the support that I have, I probably would do, be doing the same thing where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go lay in my bed for, you know, three days and it's going to be fine. Whereas they're like, nope, come on, we're going to do this. I know you don't feel good. Like they recognize you don't feel good, but Hey, we gotta, we gotta keep going. Like keep it going, keep, mm-hmm. keep pushing. And then that's when mm-hmm. you kind of laugh about it. And I'll be like, oh yeah, it's just my MS. And then, you know, like Madison will be like, oh yeah, your fake disease. Your like, fake disease. like we joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She'll post something about like, oh, it's MS awareness. And I'm like, Don't worry. Keep it moving guys. She doesn't have that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, oh yeah. I remember how you have that disease. Just say okay. lie again. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> See, like you could, I mean, we can joke about it, but you know, if, if I knew if anything happened, like during this last hernia surgery, my husband was going to have to be home with my kids at night. Madison's like, yep, I'll come up and stay with you at the hospital. Like, I just have that support where if something, you know, in the right time, like we joke about a lot of different things, a lot of stupid things mostly, but <laughs> we joke mm-hmm. and we are able to have fun, but when it comes down to it, we always have each other's back. We always have the support of one another. And I think that's huge in any illness, not just, you know, like MS or Mm -hmm. any of those. I think in any illness, if you have a support system, you can, you can make it through Mm -hmm. a lot of different things. And that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. I feel like we could have had you on for like a full season. I told Madison, like, I really said, really, like, I needed said my she own. She wanted a full season. <laughs> I we was like, really, I don't know if I can give that to you. I really feel like we could do like a complete, this change the focus of our podcast. <laughs> because once again, like Sarah also is just a, a person, like going through person things. She, the Every adoption day. thing is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff. I Yes, I asked Madison. I was like, hey, can I talk about the adoption? She goes, we are not going to have time with that. <laughs> so maybe next season. <laughs> yeah, next season I'll be back and I will be talking about the ups and downs of adopting. I would love that. But yeah. Yeah, I think kind of like you said, I think having a support system that's the most common thing I hear when I talk to anybody about anything so just having people to support you even if they don't even know what's going on I think that that's the most important thing yeah I mean I feel like even through life in general let alone having like an illness like even just life itself is hard enough and you have to have a support system let alone when like you're really going through like an actual like you know, like physical problem, like health problem, mental problem. And I feel like it's especially important to have people 
Yes. I think it's, I think that's huge. And that's what, that's what's tough. And that's, that was like my whole point of trying to get out there in the world and just be like, Hey, you know, like someone supports you. Someone's going through it with you. Keep going. This was honestly a really fun episode to like, I really would love to have you like back again, like for maybe the adoption or anything else. Like, there really always is so much to learn. Shout out to Sarah's husband. He wanted a shout out. So oh, here we yeah, go. He, did. he requested a shout out to Aunt Joan. Whoop, whoop. Yep. Um, My mom. And her dad as well. Although I know neither of them listen to this because they don't know how. They don't know how to. <laughs> well, thank you. Honestly, I really, really liked doing this episode. Like, it was, it was really great, honestly. Well, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much again to Sarah for being the guest on our show today. If you have a story you want to personally share on the show or want us to read on air, find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at JustAPersonPod or send us an email at JustAPersonPod at gmail.com. We'll see you next Monday with our final episode of the season.